Praise God. I'm going to share a thought with you today. I want to take you to a place. Um, chaos. There's chaos. A great multitude, if you can just imagine. There's a great multitude of people shouting, screaming, kicking up dust everywhere. People perhaps running, scared. There's a great chaos in the camp of Israel. And they're screaming for judgment and mercy, all mixed within all the whimpering or the cries and the lament, the laments or the regrets. You can just imagine it's a huge crowd of people. They're all screaming different things. And so I'm saying, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. Some of them have in their minds, and many of them say, How could that be possible? Those were the words and the thoughts of many of the multitude. Some even began to think in their mind and in their hearts and began to say, out, say these words out loud. That's why they killed my husband. That's why they killed my son. It's all their fault that my brother was killed. Some start screaming and hollering as well in response to those who stand there to accuse another. But it's our family. They're from the same tribe of us, of, of us as we are. They start trying to intercede with those words. But you hear a commanding voice from out of the crowd that says, Bring them. Bring his wife. Bring his children. Bring his animals. Bring his tent. And everything that he has that has brought forth a curse. Then there's a question in the thought of a man. Why? 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 God had given us manna from heaven, drinking water where there was none. He was our shade in the burning sun, our heat in the freezing cold of night. He even delivered our enemies into our hands. Why? Why did you give your back to God? This man said to himself, because of your own fault, they're going to kill your beloved and your descendants. They shall erase you from the earth, from the face of the land. The Bible says this, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Amen. Let us pray. Father, come before you once more, God, asking you, be the one to speak to our lives. Give us, Lord, a healthy heart, healthy mindset, healthy attitude, Lord, towards your word. We be open, Lord, to you. We be receptive to your spirit. We be sensitive to you, God, who is here today. God, I just pray today that you will speak to us and edify us through the word of God. Begin to prepare our hearts, God, in such a way that we will walk out of this building edified by the mighty word of God. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father. Amen. You may be seated. So you might be surprised as to where, where are we getting this from? See, these words are not exactly in the Bible. I'm just kind of paraphrasing, thinking of what was going through the mind of all those people that were there gathered together in a desert place where there was one leader named Joshua, a man that loved God, a man that tried his best to serve God, a man that was now the leader of Israel because Moses had died. We know that uh, Joshua was commanded by God to become strong, to be strong, and to be brave. 
and to faint not, not wither away. In other words, don't doubt, but press forward. So this man of God, Joshua, he looks upon a city named Jericho. And the Bible tells you that Jericho was very, very, very secured back then. The cities would have the custom of building up walls to protect those citizens of that city or the people that lived within the walls. Some walls, like they say of Jericho, were so large and so wide, you could run horses and chariots up on top of them and through them. Either way, we know that there were walls that were there to protect the people of Jericho. And the people of Jericho had closed up the doors and had secured themselves inside. And if the piano player in 20 minutes can come up to this uh, piano. Um, now they were very secured and they wanted to keep the people of Israel out. I'm going to title this a God of opportunity. A God of opportunity. And it may seem like a little contradiction, but just hold off until the end. You'll see where we're going with this. And so now the Bible says that God gives a commandment. And there are instructions that are now given unto the people. This is how we're going to deal with Jericho. And Jericho was a, a, a city that was obviously sinful. That's why God had delivered them into the hands of Israel. And one of the things that we know is that Joshua had sent spies to go check out the city of Jericho. And they had infiltrated the city and they had looked about what it was like inside. The Bible says that a, a, uh, a harlot, a prostitute, let's just say a madam, had found out who they were and she made a deal with them. She offered her protection, hiding them in her dwelling place. That's where these men of Israel ended up hiding. And we know the story that Rahab, when she does this, she does this and she confesses and says, I'm doing this because I've heard and we have heard of the greatness of what God has done for the people of Israel. How he has delivered your enemies into your own hands or into your hands. And so she made a decision to leave this place of paganism, of disobedience, of wickedness. She made a decision being a very, uh, we can say, unrighteous woman to turn her back on her culture, her custom, her friends, and leave everything behind the moment that she decided to protect these Israeli spies. So now word had come back to Joshua. And so Joshua and the people of Israel have now uh, marched around the, people, uh, the, the city of Jericho for six days. And on the seventh day, their instructions are to march around Jericho seven times. Then they were going to praise God. When they get to that moment, uh, there were already instructions giving to the, given to these people. Joshua chapter 6, verse 18. We're going to go to Joshua 6, 18. These are the instructions of Joshua unto the men of Israel. And ye, in any wise, keep yourselves from the accursed things. In other words, and all of you, be careful. Stay away from those things that belong to the people of Jericho, the accursed. The wicked, the key word here being cursed. Because if you don't, lest you make yourselves a curse. Because if you don't, you're going to bring a curse upon yourselves. When you take of the accursed thing, if you take from them, you're going to become cursed. And you're going to make the camp of Israel a curse. And you're going to trouble it. So in other words, you're going to go into Jericho, but I don't want you to take anything. Don't take anything that belongs to them, because if you... Take anything, you're going to bring a curse 
from the accursed unto the people of Israel. You're going to bring troubles, all kinds of troubles for the people of Israel. Those are the instructions, verse 19. But all the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. These are the instructions. Don't take anything, but if it's made out of gold or silver, brass and iron, bring them into the Lord's house. And we're going to keep them for the Lord. We're going to use them. It's going to be consecrated. In other words, it came from the accursed, but it shall be purified and it shall be used for the Lord's house in God's will and God's service and ministry. So all these men, they knew this. But in the midst of all the chaos, you ever been in a place full of chaos? You ever been in a restaurant or an event where things are just kind of crazy? Things are just going on everywhere. And there's a lot of hollering. And if you can just imagine that when they infiltrated, the, when, when they had praised the Lord and the walls of Jericho had fallen, there was screaming, there was hollering. There was panic, there was chaos. Everybody was running around everywhere. The men of Jericho were trying to fight against the Israelites. The women of Jericho were hiding and the men of Israel had to, uh, had to kill. I was going to say murder. They had to kill. Not the same thing. They had to kill the men, the women, and the children before you judge God. Hold on. There's a reason for this. And we're going to get into it. Do not take from the accursed. But they had such good things there. Let's go to chapter 7, verse 1. But the people of Israel, the children of Israel, committed a trespass, disobedience, and the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zamdai, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was. So this man... It was kindled against the children of Israel. It was ignited. The anger, the wrath of God. One of the psalmists writes and he says, who shall, he gives us the idea and the question of, who shall live long enough to really get to know the wrath of God? You ever been through a very painful experience like I have? I'm sure you have. Very difficult times and you think, this is the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. And, uh, you know, somebody else is worse off than you are. And so it's, for your own personal experience, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to you, but not the worst thing that's ever happened in general. But we tend to just, you know, we dwell and we stay in our place, in our moment, and we experience our pain and think that that's the only thing that matters. And I understand that because we're the ones going through that experience, that painful experience. But we see here, this man, this man that uh, had now ignited the wrath of God, Going back to the psalm, he says, nobody shall live long enough to be able to know the real, the real wrath of God. Nobody. Thou turnest a man until he is broken, and you say, repent, uh, children of man or son of man. Human, humanity, mankind. So Achan, the Bible says that he commits a sin against God. He is disobedient to the words that were given to him by Joshua. And the Bible says that God became angry. And let me tell you what ends up happening after this. Nobody knows that in the midst of all the chaos, Achan was looking around and he saw a few things that called his attention. Oh man, we ain't got none of these in Israel. Man, these look really good. These look really expensive. And, and he took some gold, half a kilo of gold. So the Bible says in version in Spanish, half a kilo, a kilogram, 500 grams 
of gold. You know how much gold is worth nowadays? An ounce of gold. So he took it and silver and, and uh, a type of, of cloth that was uh, Babylonian. Very expensive, very unusual, very, very important things, I guess, for the people of their time. He said, nobody's watching right now. Everybody's running around in the midst of all of this. And he takes it and he's hiding it and he keeps fighting. And then he goes to his tent and nobody's around. Mom's not around. The kids or the, the wife isn't around. The kids aren't around. And he hides it under the tent. And he buries it. Nobody found out. Nobody saw me. But he wasn't counting on God who had seen everything that he had done. Not only that, God had already studied his heart, knew his heart. See, nothing's hidden from God, and God had seen it. And so now this man, he's there at his tent, and now here comes another cry out for war, a battle. We're going to go ahead and send some men out to the city of, I don't know if it's pronounced, hey, hi. And we're going to go ahead and take over this, this city and this kingdom. And they send some Israelites out there to go scout it out. They go and check it out. And they come back with a report. Man, Joshua, we don't need that many people. Just with a few thousand men. That's all we need. We just need a little bit of men. That'll be easy to take over the city. But the Bible says that when the people of Israel go and they start to conduct their battle, they start to fight against the people of Hai. The Bible says that the enemy that was very weak started, let me put it to you like this, whipping them started beating them started slaughtering them and the people of Israel are like man it's not that many of them we're experienced fighters now we're experienced men of army we know how to use our weapons and our shields and and all this and what's going on and it gets to the point where they become so desperate that they actually have to turn around give their back to their enemy and they're running for their lives and that brings shame to the people of Israel and heartbreak and dismay as if they are going to faint. How could it be possible that our enemy that was so weak, so small compared to us, was able to defeat us? And Joshua became very upset. And Joshua goes, and I don't know, I think you and I have been through this. Sometimes we're weak and we're not experienced and we're somewhat immature in our Christian walk. And this is for those of us that are disciples of Christ. There's still some people that have not yet uh, given their lives unto God. But this whole lesson is for all of us here. And what we learn from this is that we see Joshua. And Joshua begins to speak out to God. And he begins to become, show his, express his frustration, his disappointment. God, you brought us out of the house of Egypt, a house of bondage. And you took us through all these things. And look at where we're at right now. What are the people going to say, God? People are going to say, oh, God brought them out, and now God has abandoned them, and now look at their condition. God, God, what are we going to do? What are people going to say? Though I'm paraphrasing here a little bit. Because, God, what are people going to say? Look, look at what's going on. Why me, God? Why us? Why is this happening? I thought you had our back, God. He's whining. He's complaining. He's upset. Understandably, he's upset, but he doesn't understand what's going on. God puts a stop to it. He goes, Joshua, Joshua, what are you doing, Joshua? Joshua, get up. Get up right now. Get up. Why are you putting your face on the ground like, get up, Joshua. Listen, Joshua. There is a curse among the people of Israel. They have sinned against me. That's why things didn't work out. 
That's how kind of like it makes sense. You ever try to get something done? You try so hard and you just don't get no results. It's like, God, I thought you had my back. God, I thought you were going to help me out. God, I thought you said you promised you would do this, you would do that. And sometimes God is like, you're not going to my perfect will. You are creating your own will, your own way. You're disappointed. You experience disappointment because it's you want your will to be done and not mine. And when things don't work out the way we say, when we say how we say, then we tend to want to complain against God. And we have our 10 cents right here thinking we're rich. And God's all like, man, I want to bless you with a dollar, but you're not coming into my perfect will. Joshua, stop it, Joshua. Knock it off, Joshua. Get up, Joshua. Something's wrong in the camp, Joshua. And I'm going to show you who's wrong, what's going on. And you're going to bring forth the families. I'm going to tell you how you're going to start it out. And the Bible gives uh, direction. The Bible uh, shows us that God gives direction. It doesn't tell us exactly how. So in one of the versions in Spanish, it says they cast lots. And what that means is kind of like, let's just say kind of like uh, they put all the names and then they pull out a name. That's like kind of like a raffle. It doesn't say they did it like that. But God found a way. God put a way, made a way for them to be able to find out what was going on. Why is it? That they were losing the battles. Why is it that they were getting killed? And go to the Bible and do my best to kind of work backwards a little bit here to be able to tell you how they did it. Once they had consumed, they had, he tells them this. The Lord said, oh, chapter 7, verse 10. The Lord said unto Joshua, get up. Why are you lying down with your, on your face like this? Israel has sinned. They have also transgressed my covenant, my promises, my pact, which I commanded them. For they even have taken of the accursed. They took things that didn't belong to them and have also stolen. When did they steal? Because the gold and the silver belonged to God. That mantle in Spanish says it's a mantle. The mantle was Babylonian. It was accursed. He shouldn't have taken it. This is what the Bible says. And this dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Those things that were taken, they, they put it among their own. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand. You will not, you're not going to be able to stand before your enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies. That's why you ran, because they were a curse. Neither will I be with you anymore. I said I'd be with you, but you're cursed. I'm not going to be with you no more, unless except ye destroy the accursed from among you. Wow. God says, Joshua, you're going to have to do this. If not, I'm not going to be with you. The instructions were clear. Stay away from the accursed. Y'all didn't listen. How many people didn't listen? One man didn't listen, but the entire people of Israel paying the price. The entire people of Israel were paying the price. Now it was one man. At least it was one man. And not a whole group of them. But look at what happens. He tells him this. Verse 13. Up, get up. Sanctify the people. And say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. You cannot stand before thy enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. So in the morning they get up. They have a convention, a conference. 
a gathering. Now, can you imagine? Just just take a, a minute to, to imagine this. Ain't you here? Or what? And they're calling us all out. What are you talking about? Yeah, Joshua ran the word through the elders. The elders have told all the leaders and all the tribes, we're supposed to go stand before, supposed to go stand before Joshua. Something's going on. We lost that battle of high, and they, they're saying something's really wrong. They're going to find out. You know how rumors go. Man, that is a rumor. Somebody did something they shouldn't have done. And that's why God is angry. And you don't think this came to the ears of Achan? He had ample opportunity. He didn't say nothing. So God begins to filter out and to show Joshua exactly what had happened. And let's go to verse number 14. And in the morning, ye for it shall be brought according to your tribes. Gather all the tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families. So we're going to start off with the tribes. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, 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 it's you. And the tribe of Judah singled out. Okay, we're going to break it down further. Okay, take according to the families thereof. And the family which is the Lord shall take shall come by household from the tribe of Judah. Break it down to the family. All these families. Okay, now all of you from Judah, all you families go to the side. You are going to stand here. All the aunts, uncles, all those relatives were there. Now we're going to go to a house. Break it down from the families now to a house. Whose house is it? They identify the house. And the household from which the Lord shall take shall come man by man. All right. We started out with Judah. All the tribes, boom, singled out Judah. Then the families, separated the families. Now we're going by houses. Now we found this house. Stop. All you men, step forward. All the men line up, and they start going one by one. The Bible doesn't say like this. It only tells you what, what happens when they come up to him, to Achan. But this is what happens. They single him out. And here comes Joshua. Oh, man, I'm just going to make this up. He's on the first one. On this, I'm the seventh one. The third. Praise God. The fourth. Fifth. The sixth. The seventh. Achan. Give God glory. Give God honor. Give him praise. And tell me what you did and don't you dare hide it. And Achan can't say nothing else. He says, it's true. Joshua, it's true. I've sinned against the Lord. And he confesses what he has done. If we go to verse number 19, and Joshua said unto Achan, my son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel. Giving God glory. Glory means like weights, like uh, his greatness. So God's glory is so great. It's like so heavy. It's like nobody can stand it. Um, kind of like a featherweight versus a heavyweight. And God is more than a heavyweight. He is almighty. He's all powerful. So he only manifested his glory. At least uh, we have one man that dared to say to God, God, show me your glory. So Moses, if I show you my glory, ain't no man going to live. So you're going to go in between the rocks. And I will pass over you, giving myself glory. <laughs> the Bible says that Moses goes into that type of crevice within the rocks. 
and the Lord passes over him. And Moses can turn and he sees his back, the Lord's back, typification, something so that he could kind of tangible, kind of see. And the Lord says, the Lord, the Lord Almighty, he begins to give himself honor and glory, begins to testify of who he is. He's only one of the few people ever. The other one that saw God's glory was Isaiah. He says, oh, I am going to be dead for I am of unclean lips. So it's a big deal. We see this, this event that what happens here. How many of you understand too? When we give God praise, we start to testify of the things that he has done. When we worship God, we acknowledge who he is. You are the creator of the heavens and of the earth. You are God Almighty. You are the Savior. You are, and you are, and you, and, and then we talk about, and you were able to defeat the gods of Egypt, and you parted the Red Sea, and you gave people of Israel manna from heaven, and you became a cloud to block the hot, the hot sun, and you became fire in order to keep your people warm, and you did this, and you did, and those, that's praising God. But you know what happens when the devil steps inside a person's life the first thing he begins to do is he tempts a person and sometimes the devil's so busy somewhere else and the person actually themselves are the ones that allow that sin to come into their lives did I, ever, did I ever i think i've used this illustration before if you have a man standing here or a woman or they're outside in the parking they walk about outside in the parking lot it is not your fault it's not your fault if a bird flies over you it's not your fault it's not your fault if you have Christian radio station. Give me a number here, 92.7, 95.9. And then all of a sudden, K-Rock comes in. That's all I remember from the world, not that I listened to it. And why does that happen? Because your radio has a receiver. And suddenly, there are certain locations, power poles can provide interference, or something can happen when you're listening to a song and thank goodness it doesn't happen to us. We're, we're listening to a Christian song when the window's down. And all of a sudden, another brother comes on by and says, what do you listen to? It's a worldly music. No, it's man. I'm telling you, brother. I promise you. It's the power pole right here, brother. You move five feet forward, and then here comes the songs for Christ. So it's not your fault of what your radio does. It's not your fault if a bird flies over you. It's not your fault if a bad thought comes into your mind. But it is your fault if you purposely turn it on to that not Christian radio station. It is your fault if you stand there so long and not put some little pebbles of food out here and you invite those birds to come over and create a nest and then have little chicks on you. And it is your fault if you start to, if you if you see something and then you start to look and then you start to think because now it's your fault because you are fabricating in your mind. Why don't we just meditate on the word of God day and night instead? Why don't we keep ourselves out of trouble and close that door where the enemy wants it? He's knocking at the door too. The Bible says that God speaks to Cain and he tells him, hey, watch out, sin's right at the door. You got to resist sin or sin's going to try and dominate you. So what happens is when you open the door, the first thing that the enemy does is come on in and say, ah, I came inside. Wait till you get to church on Sunday. I'm going to be there and I'm going to remind you of what you said, of what you did, of what you were thinking, of anything that you did to sin against God. I'm going to remind you. And guilt and oppression start to come on in and, hey, I got this one here. And they start to accuse a believer of Christ, a disciple of Christ. 
and they won't let you want to praise and worship God. And you got to rebuke that in Jesus' name. You got to repent. You got to ask God for forgiveness. I bring you to the case of this man that had an ample opportunity to repent, but he did not. What did he do? He decided to hide it. Joshua, I stole. It's me, Joshua. Joshua said unto Achan, my son, verse 19, I pray thee, give glory. I pray thee glory to the God of Israel and make confession unto him. Tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord of God of Israel. And thus, and thus have I done. That's what I have done. I've done this. I've done that. When I saw among the spoils of a goodly Babylonian garment, it was Babylonian. It's such a fine material, Joshua. Man, I couldn't help it. And 200 shekels of silver. I saw silver there, man. And then I saw a wedge of gold of 50 shekels, like half a kilogram of gold. When I Then I, I coveted it. I wanted it. I needed it. I felt like I needed it. And so I just, I took them and, and behold, they're over there in my tent. Where I thought nobody knew. It, it's hiding under there. It's, that's where it's at, Joshua. And now they please basically arrest him. And not only will he pay the price, but his wife and his little ones. I don't know how big they were. Before you judge God, hold on. They bring that. Here you go, Joshua, here it is. Achan, you're going to die. We're going to go out to the camp. Everybody's going to pick up stones, Achan. We're going to stone you to death. We're going to burn your body because we got to purify Israel. Some people may turn around and say, what an unfair God. What an unfair God. There are Oscars here. As we talk about things of the Lord over in our lunchroom, don't tell the people at work. <laughs> but it's their choice if they want to talk about it. Sometimes they make fun of us. Amen. It's all good because we're friends with them. But it's an opportunity for us to evangelize. I say, well, before you guys start thinking that God is unfair and unrighteous, just imagine God, the creator of the heavens of the earth and of all humanity. And imagine yourself with a basket of apples, 10 apples. And you have those 10 apples. Your job is to protect these 10 apples, make sure they stay healthy, delicious. And all of a sudden you notice that one of the apples starts to become rotting, starts to rot. And the bacteria that's in that apple now begins to spread the germs begin to spread or the microbes begin to spread from one apple to the next one then two apples bad apples they start talking about other brothers and sisters and they contaminate another two apples now you got four bad apples those four bad apples are looking at six good apples thinking which ones are we going to conquer over and it's like you try and hold back that stench that sin and God was looking at humanity and saying, man, these are evil. They have become wicked in their heart. And so then God has to make a decision. And he takes responsibility. He had a responsibility to smite the wicked people of the world. But he gave ample opportunity for repentance. Noah, build an ark. Noah builds an ark and he preaches and he says, God is going to send a flood. And people say, you are crazy. It has never rained, Noah. For in that time, a vapor of the earth, you should come up and water the plants. You're crazy, Noah. What are you talking about? We preach the gospel. Jesus Christ is coming back. You're crazy. 
You're lying. People make that up. They've been preaching the same thing for years. Jesus isn't coming. You're crazy. Bunch of holy rollers, they call us. Yeah, well, they also don't believe in God. But I say this to them. You've never experienced God. How can you say there is a God or there isn't a God? Long story short, they kill him because God has to purify Israel. God had the responsibility of purifying humanity. Humanity still has not learned its lesson completely, but God still has a responsibility. So why do people go into schools and they shoot up other students and teachers? And why do people go into courtrooms and they start massacres? And why do people go to Central America and gather multitudes of people and poison them with cyanide and Kool-Aid? I'm not making it up. Why? Because people have turned their back on God. People have said no prayer allowed in school. People have said we're not going to say the word God in the courtrooms. People have said we're not going to do this, we're not going to do that. So they give their backs to God and they become cursed. Then they turn around and blame God. For the results of their own actions. So the Bible says this. That in those old days. God would punish. The person. Their children. Their children's children. And their children. Up to the fourth generation. But God says enough is enough. Yes all humanity paid the price in the beginning. But this is what I'm going to do now. No longer will that old saying be said in Israel. That the children. Their teeth are suffering the consequences. From the sour grapes their fathers ate. Now. It's everyone is responsible for their own selves. Everyone. But for the men, all those of us that are men here, married, and those, that are, those of you that are contemplating becoming married, God bless you. <laughs> Here's one thing. We're responsible for our children. Not fair to our wife. Not fair to our children. For them to suffer the consequences of any disobedience. They may be public or hidden. You know one thing that we had heard in a conference, if you'll stand with me. I know it seems like it's kind of early. And it is, but you can stand for a few minutes with me. Amen. Accompany me. It is so much hard work to keep a secret. It's so much work to hide something. Can't imagine this man who had this silver and this gold and he couldn't spend it. That's what the devil does. He offers you everything, gives you things, and you can't even enjoy it. Because it's not meant to be enjoyed, it's meant to kill you. And I said this joke to the Spanish congregation. There was a pastor that, that started off, usually starts off with a joke to the congregation about a pastor that was kind of tired. He said, man, I'm at church every Sunday. Every Sunday I'm at church. I'm there for all the meetings. I'm there so many hours. I deserve a break. God convicted him and says, no, you can't. You got to be there on Sunday. Ah, Lord, you understand how it is. I'm tired because I, I got somebody that's going to help me and represent me. I'm going to go golfing. They can't go golfing. I'm going to go golfing, God. It's okay. God will forgive me. They can't go golfing. I'm going to go golfing. You tell me if it's a big deal or not. Not too many people ever experience a hole in one. But that was the day. This man pff, hits it. Hole in one. 
and he's cheering. He's happy, he's jumping, he's elated, and suddenly he becomes very sad. He says, who am I going to be able to tell? You get it? Who's he going to tell? I skipped church and I went to go play golf, and I got a hole in one. Wait, wait, wait a minute, when did you go? I don't see anything on your agenda about golf. I don't, nothing. When did you go? Because you were out on Sunday. What happened? He couldn't even enjoy it. It's a make-believe, right? But think about what the devil does. He makes you think you're going to have something good only to trap you. The Bible says this. 1 John chapter 5, verse 17. It's so sad that this man died along with his family. They were wiped from the face of the earth. 1 John 5, 17 says, All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. Before I told the Spanish church, don't get excited about, oh, wow, there's a sin that's not unto death. It doesn't mean that you can sin and get away with something. So, oh, from these kind of sins, these are okay. Ah, we can have a good time. No. There is a sin of committing blasphemy against the Spirit of God, which will lead you to a spiritual death, that there is no way for you to get out of it. Only one time in my life did I ever feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost to warn a man. With so much conviction, it put fear of God in his heart right then and there. Fear of God. I had to turn around and said, I'm just going to walk away. I'm going to leave you. I'm not going to say nothing to you, but I warned him. And this man just became mute. He wouldn't speak. I walked away. That's the only time ever in my whole life that the Spirit of God put that conviction. You better warn him right now. Tell him to stop. And he listened. He stopped. That's the one sin that cannot be forgiven. But all unrighteousness is sin. All right? There are sins that we commit voluntarily and consciously. There are sins that we commit because we know and we still do them. And also, I need you to do this. Well, I don't want to do that. And you're very capable of doing it. And other brothers are not capable of doing that job at that time because of scheduling, whatever it is. And you decide, I'm still not going to do it. That's a sin of omission where you know you could have done something you decide not to. And then there's sin that people commit out of not knowing, out of ignorance. You ever gone to the store and seen blood sausage? Very popular dish in some of our countries. Well, did you know the Bible tells you what not to eat? One of them actually is blood. <laughs> but there were some brothers back in the old days, another pastor that was here, He told me, yeah, you can't eat that no more. Why not, pastor? That's what the Bible says. But these things will require the Gentiles. One of them was, and you can't be eating blood. Even in the times of Noah, God said to man, you can eat an animal, but don't eat the blood. Shocker for some of the people of the congregation back then, but they had to stop. Because they were committing a sin, even though they didn't know it. And the teachers had told us, you know what? If you break a law, the judge is going to look at you. And if you say, I didn't know, they're going to say, ignorance is no excuse. <laughs> you broke the law, whether you knew it or not, willingly or unwillingly. So all unrighteousness, anything that's wrong, stealing with a handgun, with a knife, with a note to the teller at the bank, stealing, saying, I only made this much money in taxes, government is unrighteous saying they gave me 20 bucks too much praise God God's blessing me no God's not blessing you my brother Oscar testified not everything comes from God not everything is a blessing and you have to have that godly wisdom Romans 6.23 tells you about the wages of sin is death you 
you pay with you play with sin you're going to pay with death but the gift of God here's the good news is eternal life through Christ through Jesus Christ our Lord those things that have happened in the past are there to warn us those that are now today listen to 1 John chapter 1 as we get ready to close this is the message this is when this the this then is the message of which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him no darkness at all he has no darkness verse 6 if we say that we have fellowship with him with God and we walk in darkness we lie and we do not know the truth come on it's very clear I'm good with God but you're in sin you're, you're not right but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one with another we get along and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us cleanseth us from all sin so we have an opportunity we have a God of opportunity he says you know how many times I've, I've always you know my daughter does some things my little one I'm like oh man you know it's, think about how many times you've done this before God You think she maybe sometimes is headstrong because she's testing boundaries? How many times have you tested God? Knowing better. And sometimes because you're learning. But what about when you already know? And it's like, see, God is not blind, deaf, or mute. Oh, God didn't do nothing. God didn't say nothing. God is only being patient. He's just giving you an opportunity to repent. See, back then, God would pour out a judgment right then and there. And don't think that we're under a new covenant. The Holy Spirit won't do, won't pass judgment or make judgment upon us. Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, conspired together to lie to Peter and the apostles. So, you sold a house. Yeah, we did, Peter. But we only sold it for this much. Who has taught you? Who told you to lie? You're not lying to us. You're lying to the Holy Spirit. And Ananias falls dead on the ground. Because that was a way that God was warning people, don't lie. Don't lie to the Spirit of God. Don't play games with the Spirit of God. Sometimes people think, oh, back in the old days, God would judge people this way and not, not no more. And then his wife comes in. He led her up to it and she was willing. So you sold the house? Yes, Peter, we did. How much you sell the house for? This much. You too? You too, like he's telling you, the devil's already, he's put it in your heart to let, and you, look, 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 they're dragging your husband out. He just dropped dead, and now you're going to drop dead, and she drops dead. See, God is patient, but see, one thing that I've learned about God is that he knows everything. He knows who's going to accept and who's not going to accept. You know, God is so good, such a God of opportunity. That even though he knows that some people will never, never receive him as Lord and Savior, he still gives them many more years of life, even more than others who accept them. It's just the way God works. And I, I'm not, never going to be able to figure it out. Not, and I quit trying to figure it out. Because all I know is, hey, 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 if anybody knows what they're doing, it's God. I don't understand them, but it's all good. He's in control. He doesn't make any mistakes. Verse 8 again, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We lead ourselves to believe something that isn't true. That's what deception is. If somebody deceives another person, person A deserves, deceives person B. 
It's because person A is telling person B lies, things that aren't true, and leads them to believe something as if it were true even though it's not. That's a deception. So it's your car? Yeah, it's my car. So what happens to pink slip? Oh man, I lost it, but it's my car. It's my car, I can tell you the VIN number by memory and this and this and that. But it's your car. Yeah, it's my car. Because it says right here that, say, John Doe owns it. Yeah, I'm John Doe. But they didn't tell you they're John Doe Jr. and they're selling your dad's car. Their dad's car. Well, I told you my name is John Doe. And technically my dad was going to give it to me, so it really is. And they're just deceiving. They're making you think something that isn't true. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The next verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. 2 Corinthians tells you that if anybody is in Christ, they are a new creature. All things are made anew. All old things are past. All the old things are past and all things are made new. One of my favorite scriptures, 2 Micah chapter 5, verse 17, 719. If we feel guilt, leave it here. Especially if you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He will turn again. The Bible says he will come back to us. God, he will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. He will put them down. And thou will cast all their sins, all of our sins, into the depths of the sea. And God says, you know what? I forgave you to the point I don't even remember them myself. Why are you remembering them? I'm not even remembering them. Why are you accusing yourself, condemning yourself? You're feeling guilty. I'm not even accusing you. The devil does because like the devil likes to go out there to those depths and those deep oceans. But, you know, the Bible doesn't say it. God puts a sign that says, hey, devil, no fishing allowed. He tells me, no fishing allowed. Don't you dare bring up anything against your brother, your sister, and against yourself. But he says, he forgives us, he forgives us. Judah was convicted, guilty. And he said, I don't want this money. It's it's." It's wrong. Jesus is righteous. He looked at him and said, Judah, that's your problem. Not our problem. It's your problem. He becomes so burdened with guilt. That's what the devil does. He can't live with himself literally. And he goes and he hangs himself from a tree. And he bursts open. And his guts come flying out. Gross. Sad. That's what the devil wants to do. So it's time to really, every once in a while, when you become frustrated and things don't work out your way, you need to have godly wisdom and say, God, show me. Show me, Lord. Because sometimes we think, well, it's not, God's, it's not God's perfect will. But maybe we have offended God and we don't even know it. You know one thing that's really scary about God? And sometimes we lightly ask him to do something and when he does it, he shocks us. Show me, Lord, show me in what area I've sinned against you. And then he shows us, and we're like, oh, my goodness. He shows us. He goes, what are you going to do now? Now that I've already told you, you're going to change, or you're going to carry on. And it's time for us to surrender. If there's something in your life, always ask the Lord, search my heart. Show me, Lord. I'm going to invite you to come forward in Jesus' name. Thank you for your patience. We're not going to be too long. Just going to ask God to receive us as we surrender ourselves. We surrender ourselves unto you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Forgive us, God, for those times we thought that it's just you not knowing. We fool ourselves. We deceived ourselves. 
thinking that nothing bad was going to happen, ignoring the fact that it's just you being patient with us. It's you, Lord, not accepting our sin, but it's you holding back your wrath and judgment against us. But we understand, God, and acknowledge that one day your mercy will run out. And a new, a new time shall come about. By that time, it'll be too late. And even before then, Lord, if we pass away, our opportunities have ended, will have ended. So it is today, Lord, that I ask you to search our hearts and bring to our mind and our hearts an understanding of things that we need to change, things that maybe do not please us, the things we may covet, things we may want to take from this world. Forgive us, God. We sometimes forget that we are blessed people. And we're out there wanting those things that the world has when we have things that are even better, God. It's just a lack of sight. It's our shortfalling, Lord. At times we lack faith and there's no excuse for it, God. Because you've already promised to be with us and to give us wisdom, to give us faith. It's just us, God. But I thank you, God, for this mercy that you have shown us today. We ask in Jesus' name today, you receive our surrender once more, God. I invite the whole church to just pray and surrender. Intercede for someone else. If you're fine, intercede for someone else that needs God, that needs to get right with God. There's so many brothers and sisters right now that need Jesus, that have backslidden, that have fallen, that have a need in their lives for the filling of God. God, just examine us. Cleanse us, Lord, like a vessel. In such a long time for some, Lord, to feel the, tender, the tenderness, Lord, of your touch, Lord. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask that you worship him right now. Everything I give 